Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Welcome to Cerebral Women Art Talks. I'm Phyllis Hollis. My guest today is Shayla Mitchell, an art advisor based in Harlem that has an extensive knowledge of the emerging black contemporary art market. She has a deep appreciation of the industry, particularly supporting black artists. She started collecting art during her late 20s and founded her art advisory business in 2016. Shayla also provides art advisory services to private, public, and new collectors needing assistance navigating the contemporary art market. She has indeed established herself as a major figure in art advisory. Please let me introduce the owner of Shayla Mitchell Arts, Shayla Mitchell. Shayla, welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So, God, we're going to talk about a bunch of good things today. Actually, you're the first art advisor that I've interviewed, so this is good. I, even I will learn a lot. Boom. So let's start with you telling us, uh, what is your role in the art world? I am an art advisor, as you mentioned. Um, so my role within the art world is double-faceted. Um, I help people learn how to collect Um, So that's new collectors, and I also work with seasoned collectors, um, helping them diversify their collections. And when I say diversify, it could be making sure that they have um, more pieces from artists of color, or it can also be making sure they have more emerging artists instead of just established or mid-career. So that's what I do, Um, and I love it, and I fuss at people. Because a lot of times they don't buy pieces and then the artist blows up and they, they can't get a piece, honey. So. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So what are some of your um, recent successes in terms of advising clients? Oh, um, I picked up a client in Africa that I'm really excited about. I can't say who it is. I really don't share who my clients are um, because there have been a lot of... Uh, Art robberies. (laughs) I don't know if you read about um, just like all these different robberies happening. Just kind of got to keep to yourself what you're collecting and where you live. You got to protect yourself. They're actually looking at people traveling and then like going to their homes. So anyway, long story short, I'm really excited about that. And um, also working with some people in DC, which is my hometown, excited about that. Um, I know they don't have access to all the galleries 
um, and museums and artists that we have up here. So it's really um, a joy to connect them with people that I'm passionate about. Yeah, I'm sure they really appreciate your work. You know, yeah. and recently I think I, I saw you featured in Forbes, right? Absolutely. Share with us some of your uh, recent successes. Okay. Um, yeah, I had the Forbes feature. Cried the whole morning when it dropped. It's like, fabulous. I, I just was so excited. You can kind of feel the shift. I knew that was a game-changing thing for me. Um, shout out to Kate Talbot, um, wonderful woman who was very interested in my story and very interested in sharing it. Um, she is an advocate of equity, and she is just as passionate about the work that I'm trying to do within the art world. Um, so Forbes dropped, and shout out to Kate once again, because <laughs> she strategically dropped it during Art Basel, right in the middle of Basel. Um, and so, yeah, so that evening when I was out, I know I saw you at Pam, at the right. Pam party. Everyone right. was like, congratulations. It was just very victorious, uh, victorious moment, happy moment. So the article just talks about my business, what I do, and how I really want to move the culture forward, teaching people how to collect art, um, letting people know that they shouldn't be discouraged if people don't believe in them. Um, there are not a lot of us. There are not a lot of black art advisors. So, you know, I have thick skin and, uh, you know, I'm young. And pleasant. Yeah, thank you. And easygoing. So, yeah, Forbes is great, and it, it's, it's brought me a lot of opportunities. Very blessed. Um, and then recently, um, the L.A. Times. So, first of all, I just want to say that um, I don't have a publicist, so I, you know, I was pitching stories to press myself, and a lot of people turned me down from smaller publications, and then Forbes comes, and it's just like, well, girl, you know, <laughs> your little blog you got ain't cutting it with Forbes. So it's just, I, I just want to say, sometimes you'll get a lot of no's, but it's that one big yes that, that matters. And Forbes was that for me. And then the LA Times last weekend, um, this cool article that featured a lot of different people attending the fair. And um, that was just unexpected. Definitely think I manifested that one. That's fabulous. So on the topic of the art fairs, um, you just returned. Yes. So share with us your opinion, your experience, and basically what purpose they serve. All right. I know a lot of people hate on the art fairs. And, you know, I, 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 welcome, I welcome those sentiments. And I, I, I understand people's opinions. Some of them are very massive. I'm very much in love with the smaller fairs. I like Nada in Miami and Untitled. And at, in LA, I really love Felix. I just think it's great. It's smaller, it's more carefully curated. It's like a lot of emerging artists from all over the world. I really enjoyed that fair. Um, Freeze is great because it's not as huge as Basel and not as small as Felix. It's right in the middle. And um, a lot of your peers are there. A lot of celebrities are there, which people love. Um, but you really get to see um, beautiful art from all over the world, and you just have access to all of it at, at the same time. And I think that's important. Do I want to fly to Germany just to look at a painting? No, that's pretty expensive. So for me and for my business, fairs are important. 
and and I need them. And when I'm there, you know, my clients, uh, they're not the type to walk the fair with me. They just kind of want photos. I know their style. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm walking the fair, sending photos to clients and, you know, just putting in bids for them so they can get the pieces that they want. But I, I like fairs. They work for they work for me and they work for my business. And I think it's great to catch up with your peers. You know, I, there are a lot of people in L.A. that I don't get to see every day because I'm here based in New York. So it's just great to see them and connect. So when you uh, the New York art fairs, the armory, it's a, it's a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um LA was magical because it was 70 degrees. Like, right. Let's, <laughs> right. let's be honest. Um, but no, the New York art fairs are just as exciting. I enjoy them. And even more of my peers are here than in Los Angeles. So you get to catch up. And it's a fun week. It's crazy because there's so much programming, so many events. But um, I enjoy the fairs. Yeah, I do. You, I'm you a probably, fan of them. You probably have more clients. At the New York Fair, also, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. So, I don't have um, I don't have any LA clients just yet, but there are a lot of artists in LA that you know I was interested in meeting and seeing, um, like Kalita Rawls, who was her show was just amazing. She's a black figurative painter, and her stuff is out of this world. So I was really happy to meet her and go to her um, opening show. So let's continue on with that. So what artists are you excited about now? Oh, I like um, I like this gang from Pratt. It's like Alana Fields, Jamal Peterman, Devin B. Johnson, Bradley Ward. They are all amazing. And um, I ran into Bradley at Freeze. Um, he was showing at Felix. Just just brilliant. Um, I also like Amani Lewis, who Love is Imani. super fun. Yes. <laughs> she has such a great inviting personality. I think that's refreshing to have in the art world where everyone takes themselves so seriously. And she's just fun. She doesn't care. She's really authentic to who she is. Um, and her work is beautiful. It's it's stunning. Yes. Um, who else? I love Jamila Okubo. She's based in D.C. Uh, she did a collaboration with Dior on the Lady Bag. She's young. I think she's under 25. Um, I collected one of her prints last year. Um, and who else? I love Dana James. Hey, Dana. She's in Bushwick. She's a, um, a great abstract painter. Um, Deborah Cartwright. She's a black figurative painter, and I love her work because it centers around seeing the black body at rest. Um, you know, when you think of black women, black people, we're always working, 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 and resting is a luxury. And I just love that her work speaks to that. Hey, Deborah. Mm -hmm. uh, and my one of my favorites is Anthony Akimbola. Uh, everyone should collect him, including myself. <laughs> uh, mental note, he takes these do-rags and he stretches them out over canvases. And um, 
you know, when I went to visit his studio, he was like, you're one of the first people to come to visit that actually knew what a do-rag was. And I was like, that's fucking sad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like people, and this is why my work is so important. It's like, I want to speak to people of color. I, I can speak to the black narrative. I know you know, what the experiences are and I know what the culture is. So, you know, but I, I really love his work too. He's a really kind person. He bought Girl Scout cookies for my daughter. So I'm like forever indebted. <laughs> Shale, I'm really curious about your process when you work with your clients. Do you try to influence their taste? Do you guide them on by what you like or mm-hmm. do you... Try to understand what they like and then make your suggestions based on that. Very good question. Um, So when I get a new client, there is a consultation. We kind of sit down. If they're a new client, I mean a new collector, um, we're trying to establish what their collection is about. Do you want to just collect black abstract art? Do you want to just collect art from this era? Um, I don't. I don't get involved in what the vision for their collection is, um, but I do want them to take time to think about what it is, because if not, you're just going to have a collection that's all over the place and it's not cohesive. So it's a lot of um, sitting down and kind of figuring out what the goal is for the collection. Um, With seasoned collectors, they already kind of know what it is. Um, So I'm usually coming in to help them learn the emerging market a little bit more and, um, you know, what emerging artists resonate with you. Do you have any? Do you know of any? Um, I suggest my favorites, but there's some clients we do have different tastes. And um, one thing I can say from being a stylist, uh, because I was a fashion stylist for over 10 years, is you learn how to meet people where they are So I don't really put too much of my personal opinion on um, certain purchases because it has to reflect the client. And that's why I keep my clients and that's why they like me because there's some things that my clients collect that I wouldn't personally collect, but I know it's a good fit for them. The same way, you know, um, myself and someone next to me may like different pants, but I just know what their vibe is. It's definitely, I'm in... I'm an intuitive person. That's what makes me a good advisor. Um, I'm not trying to shove anything down anyone's throat. I want people to be happy and I want them to wake up with their purchases within their collection, their acquisitions, and feel like, damn, you know, Chayla really guided me in the right direction. So yeah, there's some clients who are like, I just don't know, girl, pick for me. And that's fun. Um, that's fun. I see that more with new collectors. I do like um, my established folks. They they know what they want. And I do like introducing into them to something outside the box. I have this one collector and I'm like, look, you keep missing out on all the good stuff. Like when I tell you to buy something, just buy it, you know? So I think he's coming around. I'm very bossy, but in a good way. You know, it's loving. It's like your grandma, your auntie, your mom. It's like... <laughs> You feel bossed around, but you feel loved, and you gonna do it, you know. So, do you do you have any clients that where you get the impression they're they're trading art, like they just want to buy something because oh. they think it's gonna appreciate? Oh, I 
I can see those from a mile away. I don't do flippers. That's what I call them. Right. I don't do flippers. I think it's disrespectful, and I think how you move within your industry is important. Money is not everything to me. Energy is currency. I do not want to sell to someone who's going to flip the work in six months. That's just, it's not what I'm about. And um, it's disrespectful to the artist. And um, so I've had people come to me. I've had somebody come to me recently and ask for a cause piece. And would my commission from a cause piece be massive? Yes, it would. But um, I've lived long enough to know that how you do a thing is more important than the thing. You definitely don't want that reputation. No, I don't. And um, I'm sure there are other people that you could find, you know, to purchase that piece. Just, Just sent me like, you know those long CVS receipts? That print out, <laughs> print out all this information. He just sent this massive list of like all these artists, and these are artists who just do well at Sotheby's, at the auction houses, at Phillips, at Christie's, and I was like, "This is a flipper." Mm-hmm. No thanks. That's yeah. interesting. Wow, 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 wow. Good to know. I learn something every day. <laughs> so I want to. I just want to pick on up on something you said. You mentioned that you had. Most of the artists, I, I got the impression they were figurative painters, but and you mentioned that of abstract art, right? Yes. Can you comment on the fact that people seem to favor figurative work more right now than abstract work? And if you expect to see that change, and how do artists feel, the abstract painters? Yeah, um... I think there's a big return to abstraction. I was talking about that in the Forbes article. Um, I think we've grown up with the black figure. We've seen it. We've lived with it. We live within it. But to our peers who have not, it's kind of a big thing, a big obsession. Just imagine, you know, so many black people are ignored and they don't exist and their bodies don't matter. So I think that... Just seeing the black figure to them artistically, I think everyone's a little obsessed with it, which is great. But my clients want abstract work. Black collectors, too. Um, they, They really want abstract pieces, and I'm trying to meet more black abstract artists. Um, you know, I, I want a nice balance because... I just think even placing work within your collection or within your home, just having too much figurative work is just, uh, you know, you need a balance. And um, so hopefully that happens. I'm I'm really excited if um, if anyone knows of any cool emerging uh, black abstract painters. Just let me know. You can DM me on Instagram. I don't mind. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that there's a return to that. I'm I'm very much into within my collection. I I have a lot of abstract pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you and I spoke before, and you commented on how you feel the hip hop generation or era uh, impacted the way blacks invest in art. Absolutely. Can you, I want to hear that story again. Let's share it with our listeners. So I'm from Washington, D.C., and I think our conversation was centered around the fact that when I was growing up, I only knew collecting from a interior design standpoint. You have an empty space on your wall, and you just put a painting there. Now, we had a black Jesus, 
And we also had Nelson Mandela. That was in our dining room. Black Jesus, he <laughs> was more sexy. You need? <laughs> he was sexy and buff, and he had dreadlocks. That's what we had, okay? Um, so, <laughs> so I remember I'm a big Jay-Z fan. I'm a big hip-hop fan. Uh, I think it's a big energy. I listen to it a lot when I'm working and doing emails. I just, I just love this rags to riches, bottom to the top. I just, I love that kind of energy. But um, Jay Z, in 2013, he, you know, dropped this song, Picasso Baby, and he was really trying to put black people on to collecting, and he was, you know, just talking about how. You know, he he did deal drugs, but that's not a problem of his anymore. He just wants a Rothko. He just wants a Picasso. And just talking about his collection and how he's, you know, building generational wealth for his daughter. And I think that was so important. It didn't go over my head. I I don't know how it was for anyone else, but it really resonated with me. Um, And what is it, 2020? That was seven years ago. So, you know, he was having these conversations you know, a while back. Um, So, you know, hip hop is important and it's so aspirational. And I love the way he's using, you know, his platform to share that. You also have Swiss Beats doing the same thing. Um, And I hope to see more artists of color, more hip hop artists, more athletes, more actors investing in art. Um, That's one of my goals. And I really wanna, I'm just shooting my shot. I want to work with Rihanna. I heard she was at um, Basel, Switzerland. You know, that's the real Basel. That's what they say. That's what the art world people say. So I'm shooting my shot. Call me. Yeah, you let me know when you work with her. (laughs) Okay. Because I'd love to interview her. I got you. Uh, She's my favorite bad girl, as they say. Yes. Uh, That's great. That's great. So um, you commented that people can contact you on Instagram. So let's talk about social media. What role does that play in in, uh, the work you do? It's important for me because I am, I love people, but I'm very much a loner. I'm not at every party. I'm not always out. So how would people know about me or my work? Um, And that's where social media kind of comes in. I really believe in having a strong presence on social media. I know a lot of people aren't for it, but it's a wonderful tool. It's free. And you can kind of show people, you know, what you're working with. And so it it has worked for me. Um, You know, like even with the Forbes or even with LA Times, you know, you have people who share those articles on social media and have helped me gain new followers. Um, Social media is a wonderful tool for my business. Sometimes people, I have had people DM me when I was um, at Basel asking me about pieces that I've posted Um, you know, collectors in other countries. So I I get some business from social media, um, but I also get, you know, um, a lot more followers or a lot more people get to know about my work. Uh, From my little platform, which is Shayla Mitchell Art, um, that's my art page. I don't have a lot of followers. I really believe in growing your page organically. Engagement is bigger than likes. It's, you know, when... It's 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 bigger than, you know, having 
10,000 followers and only 22 people like the post, you know, are people having conversations? Are they sharing your posts? Are they saving it? Um, which I use um, saving post as a metric to know if I posted something good. Is it something someone may want to purchase? Is it something that inspired them? You never know, but saves more than likes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And artists, I've, I've actually met some artists who aren't that active on Instagram, and I was a little surprised by it. They're either not that active or their accounts are private, which I was surprised about. So many artists have private pages. Right. Do you have an idea of what that is a result of? Uh, some people think social media is a beast. Um, some people, you know, just reject the idea altogether. And I think social media, like anything else in life, is what you make it. Don't follow people that trigger you. Don't follow people that you don't like. Um, you know, you don't have to look at any content that doesn't resonate or inspire you, you know? And so, I don't know, maybe some people are obsessed with social media. Maybe it's a distraction. You know, I take a lot of breaks. Um, last year, I took a month off of social media, and I got so much done. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what it's about. But um, I... I'm a firm believer that if you have a business or you have something that you want to showcase to the world, your page should not be private. Yeah. Well, I'm a social media junkie, so yeah, it's uh, I, I absolutely you're good love on it. it. I, I enjoy it. I just really enjoy it. You're good. Well, I do have a friend who um, she hesitates posting her work because she thinks someone will copy her what she's doing, her theme, her approach so yeah it's a risk you take no I think it is a risk you take and also um you know with my new page a, a lot of people were following me yesterday and it was like every five minutes it was a notification so imagine like a big artist with like 20k following you probably have notifications going off all day maybe it's a distraction maybe people are afraid of people stealing but people are going to find your shit and steal it no matter what. <laughs> it's true. That's just a part of the game. Yeah. And um, and turn off your notifications. <laughs> yes, turn off your notifications. I keep mine off. Yeah. So so what else are you doing? What are you doing now um, in addition I, to being advisor? Yeah, I just did a soft launch um, for a membership-based global arts club called Kamuna. And I'm really excited about that. What, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, tell us about the name. Kamuna. It means commune in Latvian. Uh, I really, I really am big on how things look, and was thinking about the logo. And there were a lot of other languages that um, that I liked. You know the the. Um, the, the natural word for commune or community, but it, I just didn't like the way it looked. And I really like the way the Kamuna looks. It just kind of flows. And um, so, yeah, that's what it means. It means to commune. And that's, that's what I want to do. I want to build a community of people of color within the art world, some of them seasoned, some of them new, who want to learn how to collect, to learn the processes. Like we know the art world, but I'm finding like when I speak to people, they're like, what? Mm -hmm. They don't understand like museum boards. They don't understand that you just can't walk in a gallery and leave with a the piece. They don't understand, you know, all the different parts, you know, within the art world. And 
Like I told you, just love black people, just love people of color. I mean, I love everybody, but I love my people. And I really want us to to have equity within the art world. And I really want us to collect. And black art is having such a big moment and so should black collectors and so should black curators and, um, you know, podcast journalists like yourself, Phyllis. <laughs> you know, we should all have a moment. Um, and that's what Kamuna is. It's a yearly membership and you'll get complimentary access to some of the world's most beautiful museums, cool programming, VIP art fair tickets, trips. Um, I definitely want to do some trips to Africa and uh, see what they have going over there, going on over there. Nigeria, Dakar, um, Morocco. So yeah, that's what Kamuna is. It's going to officially launch in a month, and I'll keep you posted on that. And how do you spell? K-O-M-U-N-A, and it's kamunahouse.com. And um, that's my baby. That's my baby right there, okay? Is it going to be New York City-based? It's going to be New York City-based, but it's it's global. So whether you're in London, from London to Los Angeles to Tokyo to Toronto, honey, you can join. Um, What I will say is the more people that join from your city, the better chance you have at us. Um, doing some unique programming there. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's just one person in China, well, baby, we're not going to come over there and do a pop-up now. (laughs) So you got to gather your friends up and tell them to join. Um, And, you know, um, you can, I have different memberships. There's an individual one. There's a joint one. If you're partners, you live under the same roof, you can get a joint membership. Um, And then I also have corporate memberships. So you and your homegirl at work that you always go to lunch with, you can join together and, you know, just kind of learn about the art world and um, visit with collectors, do artist studio visits, just just cool things. It sounds very smart. Thanks for sharing that with us. I look forward to uh, a launch party. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, but one more thing before we call today. Uh, what do you see, uh, what trends do you see going into 2020? Oh, um, I'm really loving light and space right now. Explain that to me. Okay. So light and space, uh, it was a movement. Look, our historians and curators don't come for me. I think it kind of started late 60s, early 70s or early 60s, late 70s. Um, it's using light and using space to create a feeling. So you have artists like Doug Wheeler, Larry Bell, um, Lucio Fontana, who I just saw at Hauser and Worth in Los Angeles, um, and this new husband-wife couple that I discovered at Felix called Lufweg, Lufweg, Um But anyway, it's using light and space to create a feeling. And I saw the Doug Wheeler here at David's Werner, and I just felt so calm, you know, and just sitting within that space. And so I'm trying to figure out (laughs) how I can buy a light and space piece (laughs) in my packed New York apartment. I just want to wake up to some beautiful lighting. Um, I'm really loving pink and icy blue blue colors. Oh, James Terrell is also big within this movement. And um, so, yeah, I'm seeing a trend. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be big this year. Um, figurative painting had its moment last year. Not that it's out. It's still here to stay. You guys are killing it. 
but I want to see more light and space and I want to see more people of color within this space. I think we have something different that we can offer. Well, gosh, this has been great. You shared a lot of things that I didn't know, and I'm sure some of my listeners didn't know. Oh, thank you. And uh, I, I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for doing this. This is great. I love the podcast. The episodes are wonderful. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I definitely will. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks Shayla. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.